I can look at uh, my career and say it was very unplanned, and maybe that's a true statement. But when I deep dive and think about it, I really went with my gut. I went with people that excited me, and the vision excited me, and something about how they saw the world connected with me. Hi, you're listening to Looks Like Work. I'm your host, Chedma Klein, and learn, yeah, it's the least pronounceable name you've ever heard but you'll get used to it. I'm a serial entrepreneur who's obsessed with curiosity, creativity, and grit, and that's just to get started. I really can't get enough of learning more about people's career choices. What fulfills them? How do they deal with burnout, with heartbreak? How do they protect their boundaries? And is it all even working? Those are questions that keep me up at night and I hope to explore here. On this podcast, we'll have deep conversations with entrepreneurs, artists, people juggling a few jobs, sometimes even a few industries, sharing what looks like work for them. With that, on to the episode. I really hope you'll enjoy it. I'm so excited that you're here, Yali. Thank you so, so, so much for joining me. And thank you for having me, Chedva. It's a great pleasure and an inspiring pleasure. thing you're doing. Thank you so much. And such a great excuse for us to hop on a Zoom call and have a chat as well. So Yalia Rari, CEO and co-founder of Innovesta, is here with us today. So Yali, we've known each other for at least three or four years. I don't even remember. Uh, and you've become such a role model and a friend and a confidant. And we'll dive into all of that later on. But off the top of our conversation, I want, I want our listeners to know who you are as well. So what I would love for you to tell us is, first of all, who are you? And then what do you do? Okay, with pleasure. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And thank you, Chedva, for being my friend for as many years as it is. It feels a lifetime. I feel I know you forever. And those are the type of connections I really appreciate. So I, first of all, I'm Yali, uh, born and raised in Israel. I've been uh, living in the U.S. for the last 20 years. I'm a mother of two amazing children, Kim, who's 27, and Daniel, who's 23. And uh, first and foremost, I'm a, a woman, a mother, a sister, a daughter, and uh, I love business. So my career, for your question, is in business. My background is math, but uh, I very quickly understood that I'm better at business than programming computers. And uh, I've been dealing with growing businesses and enjoying looking at things and making them different, better, better. impactful and uh, I did not plan my career but I've been running startups I've been part of nice systems a public company I was a GP of a social impact fund and now back to being a co-founder yeah so tell us a little bit more about innovesta the startup that you co-founded so innovesta is about three years old and I founded it with uh, two amazing women Hanarado and Karen Kay And it really started, and it is, uh, with a megalomanic idea that uh, all of us want to help private businesses, want to invest, want to procure. Uh, the world is not just anymore, you know, Apple, IBM, Cisco. And there is not a language or an understanding of how those businesses are, except hindsight, you know, 
uh, audited reports and some non-objective decks that we all get. So Innovesta has developed a platform where I'm so proud to say that we have a working product, which allows uh, investors, professional investors, procurement agencies, uh, supply chain executives and lenders to know more about companies they are looking at to do business with, to know about the company, to know about their competition all the time, ongoing, sort of we believe and felt it's time AI will be part of the investment uh, world, not just as investors in AI, but really using it to make better decisions. That's amazing. And I, I want to take kind of zoom out a little bit on your career. You know, when I talk about careers uh, in this podcast, it is because I'm interested in, in people's careers. And, and, you know, most guests have such such fascinating paths that they've been on. But even more than that, what interests me and what I think hope and I think that may spike the curiosity of our listeners is also how that path came to be. And even more than that, why? You know, what are the questions that you ask yourself along the way? Uh, what are the th- decisions that you had or wanted to make? And specifically with you, you have such a fascinating path that you've been on and that you've not only been on, that you've created, uh, starting from studying math, as you said, I, I don't think you, you probably didn't imagine where you'll be right now. And I would love it if you can uh, describe a little bit, not only what you've done, but also kind of what brought it to you to the, that, what was behind the decisions across startups. Innovesta is not your first corporate investment. So what were the highlights and what were the decisions that made you go from milestone to milestone? Sure. So um, I can look at uh, my career and say it was very unplanned. And maybe that's a true statement. But when I deep dive and think about it, I really went with my gut at the end of the day or up until now with people that excited me and the vision excited me and something about how they saw the world connected with me. And uh, then I, I felt like really, you know, I want to jump into this. I want to be part of that team. This was less about what the the topic of the company is uh, because I've done knowledge management, I've done customer service, uh, nice analytics, uh, cyber, you know, on and on, or a fund. But it was more about uh, there's something there. There's a connection and a passion to do something different. So I found myself overall looking at companies that had one person, three founders, and running organizations of a thousand people. Because at the end of the day, that was less my uh, my thing, and still is. You, you know, I get I get excited. Sometimes it works great. Sometimes it doesn't. But it's still what motivates me. Uh, I think uh, you know, younger when I was younger. So um, now at my fifties, uh, but at my twenties, first of all, there was a decade of I want to prove myself. I want to be like everyone else that's successful. I want to show that I am smart, that I'm hardworking, all the things you know my parents and my family put into my brain. (laughs) So there was a decade probably of just that. But then I started looking at things and, you you know, Israel became the startup nation and people would come to you and talk to you about come here or what do you think about that? So I think we're all educated to listen to a lot of ideas. And then I found myself picking it up based on the people that I will work with or the people that I admired, admired for what they achieved I still feel a student, so I always look, you know, to have people that I can learn from. 
And I hope I'll always feel like that. But that would be one thread that's very clear in my uh, unplanned career. I did notice up until a few years ago that I, I do work too much. I did not know how to put boundaries between my life and my work. So my stops between parts of my career sometimes were from, I'm too tired. It took years, but it would be like, I'm too <laughs> tired. Let's see what's next. I never stayed home for more than you know, two minutes. But um, I, I think I'm learning with the years, you know, to, to listen to that too and question that too. Is this type of a job is the right thing for me now with whatever part of my life I was, you know, two young kids later on, you know, older kids. But I learned to ask that question. I didn't ask it when I was younger. So I think that's, um, that's something that I would recommend for everyone to always do. Like, what really is your life and what do you want? And do you see that even if you'll be really tired, can you make it work? So it's not a cause of frustration, but a cause of uh, joyfulness. Such a hard lesson to learn. Yes. And I tend to forget. And then I have people around me to remind me, especially my kids, who are my best teachers <laughs> ever, <laughs> talking about mentors. Um, but I'm proud to say that uh, in the last eight years, I, uh, I'm part of the impact ecosystem as well, because I did decide that everything I'll do, first of all, will define and measure the impact it has, the good impact it has. And also that uh, whatever I have to give uh, or invest or, or time or money should go to companies that uh, do good for the world. I think it's the holy grail. So um, that is also something that, you know, added to my, um, to my career. And I, uh, I am involved always and try to be with mentorship and impact organizations and asking myself, is this the best uh, I can do? I think for me, yeah, we we didn't get to know each other through, you know, your work in impact. But for me, I see you as the definition of impact because I think on the one hand, I don't know if it feels like that while you're doing what you do. As you said, you're very uh, spontaneous and entrepreneurial and excited about, about things. On the other hand, it feels like everything that you do has gravitas. It has real impact on the world and you do it in a way that brings the meaning and the purpose to it. So someone else could have done the same business or a similar business, but in a completely different way that would be uh, less purposeful. So I'm curious to hear what, what does impact or purpose mean to you? So I'll probably say thank you, Hedva, every time you ask a question because you're giving me so much compliments that um, I'm humbled to receive. For me, impact is doing something from a very, from the highest integrity possible, number one. Not manipulation, not for, just for money. Uh, I am a capitalist, but we're talking about impact. And, uh, and really have it as something that you're focused on. So, because uh, just to say, I love to impact, everybody would share that. So easier said than done. But for me, impact is uh, what are the gifts I have? And uh, how do I give it to others in a way that's uh, humble, <laughs> transparent, um, and uh, consistent? And uh, I, again, got to the place of impact uh, because something was missing for me in my life. Something was missing uh, with a great family, with great positions, uh, successful positions, and a lot of friends. Uh, but something was missing because 
you know, even spiritually saying it. There's a reason we're here. And it took me, you know, a while to get to the point that, okay, what else? What else am I doing? What else? And not just to feel good about myself, but really to be generous and see. And if, you know, if you land on stuff, then great. And if not, look for more. So uh, today I am proud, really, to say that I... My life is not perfect. I'm less organized than I was many years ago. <laughs> uh, it's messier because I do many things and I want to do all of them. But uh, it's okay. I've learned that, uh, you know, doing well and doing more and maybe not perfectly perfect for me works better. So that's for me uh, impact. And the amazing thing is, and the beauty of it is that, as you mentioned, you're a capitalist, then you want to talk about impact and it's, it's important to you. Uh, but while many people who are in business and believe in capitalism would say, okay, so we have philanthropy and then we have, you know, hard, cold money uh, and business. And you are actually one of the first people to bring impact investments, real business uh, investments uh, to Israel. And you created with a partner, a fund that does this until until today. Can you tell me a little bit more about, about that idea and why you believe in it? Yeah, so uh, Impact First was founded by Cecile Blindews. Mm -hmm. And I was lucky enough to meet her in my uh, exploration of what's that those two words mean together, uh, impact, investments, or not just philanthropy. So uh, another great teacher, uh, Yair Safrai and Cecile, have brought me to, okay, there is a third world. There is not just money and just philanthropy, but uh, shouldn't we look at uh, businesses that can do the same thing and are not just dependent on you know, donations and donations and donations. Because when things are hard, guess what? Only the very, very rich can continue and donate. And then nonprofits are crashing. And, and on the other hand, when you have a solid business, it might go on. So um, 2020 is a horrible proof for, for just what I said. But even in just bumps and ups and downs in the, the markets uh, over the years, uh, impact investment for me is the way to go forward. And there's a, there's a lot of definitions for that because there are market rate returns for those who love more money than, you know, impact. There is a program-related investments. There's so many structures that are developing and coming out. And people, it's not just a mushy word anymore, you know, just do good on the side or go to school and donate to the parent uh, association or something that happened to your family and then you donate to that cause. But really, let's build structures. And for me, that's maybe it's because that's what I understand, to build structures that are successful. And once they do well, then isn't that one plus one equals a million, not just three? Amazing. So I want to go a minute to your first startup. Was that Kamun? Yes, the, the VC-backed first startup was Kamun with the BRM, the Barkat Rakavi Man Fund. And uh, it wasn't my startup. There are three founders. I was brought as a CEO in residence in the fund. And when Kamun came, uh, I was matched to be the CEO. Oh, wow. So that's even more interesting to me. <laughs> and I'm wondering at your first time, and this is a question that I, I ask myself all the time. What made you, as you said, in your 20s, you were very focused on proving things, 
becoming successful, you know, ticking the boxes. But then once you went a little bit outside the box, right, you like ventured out a little bit, what made you feel that you could? I don't know that anything did. Okay. <laughs> And maybe that's not the right answer for the question, but it's my choice. Any answer is the right answer. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't know that I knew. I was stressed terribly because um, it's a big, you know, it's, it's a big responsibility. But then that's what made me, you know, learn and be on top of it. But again, the reason I joined as a CEO in residence with BRM was the people there, how they spoke about success, the fact they were successful. Um, they gave a, a sense of family. It was very like, you know, we're here with you. It's not we give you money, go make it work. And that was early on, you know, um, 2000s, where the, even the VC industry in Israel was pretty much... Uh, already there, but different than today. So um, I didn't know there, I, you know, we have little voices in our head. Some of them tell us we can't, and some of them tell us we can, and depends which one we listen to. They're always there. I think when I, as I said, get connected to the purpose and the passion and the people, then that voice is louder. The one that you can do it, you'll be able to do it. And the, uh, And for me, uh, also, personally, not being alone, you can do it with those people. You have a team or a group or a mentor or something to go with it. But it's not because I think I know it. <laughs> <laughs> and was that, was that very different in startups and in corporate? I'm curious because, you know, I've al always been an entrepreneur and I know some of our listeners have always been in corporates. And I'm wondering as someone who, who did so well in both, uh, did you feel the differences not only in the structure, but in leadership and partnership in, you know, being a very pe people-centric business leader? It's different. It's very, very different. I think you can find passion and purpose in both. And if you're a person that takes things as their own and wants to, you know, really make whatever that box they gave you to, as a responsibility bigger and better, then you can do it in, in both areas. But it's very, very different. Uh, when I went into corporate, I, for the first time, tried to understand what's politics in organizations. Why, are there, why is there politics? <laughs> why is that word even there? Or, but we just said something and then we need to make it work. So while come people are not, you know, that, that are understanding that there, it's a structure, it's a cube. There's so many forces that I'm not, it's not flat, you know, you know a small company is flatter and you get to, to move it in your pace. So it, it was different, but again, I worked with amazing people, Chaim Shani, Ram Gorev, you know, leaders in their own right. And, um, And we did a lot of things. Uh, you know, my best mentor, Kobe Huberman, who is also on the advisory board of Innovesta, was the person there that taught me about M&As and how to, you know, get to merge companies that don't necessarily thought the same. Maybe they were competitors. Maybe they were a small company and a giant company. And how do you get the people to, like, you know, run with you or join the, the journey? And I think uh, you mentioned the word that, A very important word, although everybody uses it a lot, but for me it's an important wor word, and that's leadership. I think uh, at the end, uh, the beginning, middle, and end, actually, everybody has their own brand of leadership. I don't think leadership comes in one size fits all, and I don't think there's a book about leadership. I think 
if you want to lead your in your life, in your career, in your business, in your contribution, in your community, then you need to figure out what about your works and uh, how to leverage that and how to connect to that. And, uh, and that's where you see people admiring corporate leaders and then admiring entrepreneurial leaders or being corporate leader or, but it's, it's there. And, uh, it's part of my journey. And I don't even know if we ever talked about it, but, um, I've done a lot of work in leadership. I am, uh, on the advisory board of a company called Synergy Education, which teaches people to lead their lives and really have easy access to the powers we do have in ourselves and uh, you know how do we show up and how do we enroll others to our goal or our project or uh, you know our impact investment and um, I keep training myself in it and I think uh, you know we all need tools they don't those tools don't exist in MBA schools and not in high school And not in our most loving family. So um, <laughs> I, I work on that. And uh, on the days where I'm well-tuned, <laughs> things are better, no matter if it's a corporate or a startup. Yeah, you know the, you know the um, saying, you won't always remember what people told you, but you'll remember how they made you feel. So I think we, we did speak about leadership and, and your background uh, in learning it and in teaching it a few times. And what I remember is, is mostly how it made me feel. And, and uh, when, you know, when I came up with the, the episodes for our first season of the podcast, I don't know if I'll actually uh, write them anywhere, like the, the names of the episodes, but I found like a word for each guest. And for you, it was the word lead because you really represent that word to me, Yali. And I remember specifically around three years ago in London, we were in an event, in a startup event. And like, you know, startups, the tech world, many things sometimes, you know, sometimes happen uh, that are not necessarily in coherence with our values or the way, you know, our emotions, et cetera. And we didn't know each other that well then. Uh, but the, the way that you spoke to me and that you told me about leadership made so much sense. And again, I don't remember the exact words, but this is something I've been thinking about ever since. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, uh, what brought you really, you know, from your journey, when did you feel that you wanted to learn more about leadership what made you do it and what did you find once you really went into it so um i would not categorize myself as a feminist until uh, i met hannah rado and um understood that there is um you know there is the capitalist powerful feminist <laughs> and uh, not other things that regretfully the world you know the word and the world are connecting it to But um, I, I felt that uh, there's, there has to be more for me and it has to be easier, that some of the things to achieve were very difficult. And um, I uh, took a break. I was working really hard in a cyber company and I took a break and I said, I, I need to explore. I need to explore. I suddenly had the aha late, uh, late bloomer moment that... Um, You know, women probably work harder to raise funds, work harder to get to be a CEO of a public company, work harder <laughs> to, uh, um, to develop more things. And um, went uh, to the Harvard uh, Women 
leadership uh, course and uh, learned a lot there and met a lot of very powerful women. So it opened this thing, okay, Ali, who are you? Okay, yes, you're this and this and this, but how does that all work together? And is, is there anything else that you think is different or in your leadership or should be different? You know, just because you're more aware of all your parts now. And, uh, and I went for Harvard. I went for Synergy Education. I was on an exploration. And I knew, you know, my checklist, my resume showed leadership. My titles showed leadership. Um, but I knew there was another notch. And then, uh, it, you know, again, I'm listening to, to my gut <laughs> a lot. And um, when I explored it, first of all, I, I learned and I still learn and I'm still unpleasantly surprised of how many of us women have that question and not clear about, you know, how do we act? Do we act like the guys or do we like be ourselves? And you have know this in many, many levels and layers. And, you know, do we connect our culture or our belief system and how, how do we work all of it together? Um, but I, um, I went full in into Yali and did an inside out work. And for me, everybody has their own brand of leadership, as I said, and uh, everybody that wants to lead has it in them. For me, this word is about listening. Everybody tells you everything, even if they don't tell you anything. You just need to listen. So to to ask and really listen without thinking what will be my answer to that question, that's leadership. Leaders, leaders listen, whether it's to one person or a country, but they listen. It's a vulnerability. I, I lead from that place. People who will listen to me know me. They'll be, um, I'll be very transparent. Uh, not necessarily telling them everything about my life. That's not what I mean. I really mean just uh, really connect to, the, to what you want to achieve. And even if it's a term sheet, which is a very hardcore capital you know, thing, do it with, a very, with the highest uh, integrity, openness, and that's what people, as you said, connect to, to how you make them feel. And uh, the third word I would use would be enrollment. Because when people meet people, there's energy in the room. You're either enrolling someone or they're being enrolled, or you're being enrolled, okay? So how do you enroll people? How do you really get them to move to your side of the table? Negotiations family gathering <laughs> and everything in between <laughs> or <laughs> or your uh, you know your kid for your child to do something uh, that uh, you really believe is good for them how do you enroll them and then if you didn't you're still okay with it so i i think that's for me leadership it's listening it's vulnerability and it's enrollment that is so interesting and i'm wondering what's what's vulnerability to you what do you how do you define it for me, vulnerability is honesty. It's sharing with the other per person, people, team, you know, this is where I am. This is what I think. Daring to say, I'm not sure I know how to get to the other side of the project. Daring to say, you know, this scares me. And, um, and that's for me, vulnerability. So talk about your feelings. And again, it does, it's, it's more powerful, not less powerful. In my 20s, I thought it's less powerful, but I'm totally on the other side of this. 
and it's across everybody in your life you know be vulnerable vulnerable with your kids mom is not perfect um and by the way they know it <laughs> but <what> yeah they <laughs> they're yeah. the first to know it <laughs> yeah, be vulnerable and honest with your employees and with your investors and uh and be powerful and committed at the same time for me that's uh and, and when i think about you know people that i um admire everyone who's listening will think about someone that they appreciate whether it's someone famous or their parent or or anybody or a friend those people are usually vulnerable in some way or their way and um and we we connect to that as human beings that is so powerful and i'm wondering about uh i i love that you called it enrollment i never thought about this word in in this way really that skill of exciting people getting them to your side like you said it could be in any any plane in life really um, but I think many times we think about this enrollment as someone that you're either born with or not like charisma right and I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about how people can become better at it or maybe there are different brands of enrollment and we're just in love with this Hollywood charisma type of it so yes to both To both your questions uh, and no to the first one so uh, you, can, you don't need to be born with it some people do and it's I don't know if it's born with it or grew up in an environment that nurtured it okay so I think it's less DNA and it's more uh, nurturing but most of us didn't most of us uh, learned at best you know how to do a great PowerPoint or to stand on stage and not be afraid well I I stand on many stages, and until today, a minute before I get on stage, something in me is not comfortable, but that's okay, okay? And that's okay even if people will see it, because some people say, yes, the first minute of your speech, we saw you were emotional. You know, 20 years ago, be like, ugh, no. And now it's, yeah, well, that's fine. So I, I 100%, 500%, think you can train on it, and it can look different. And, you know, I've done my training, as I said, uh, not objective about synergy education and synergy business. It's a, a group of companies and synergy for youth, for nonprofit, where I've, I've trained myself and, you know, and continue to train on the muscle of how to be better at it. Because it's, it's not just, you don't just wake with it, wake up with it in the morning. Um, but um, it's about commitment. And passion and responsibility and once we're clear on that which I think would be very easy to each you know each each of the people listening now just to you know write a list of what you're committed to and, the, and once you go into that with that mindset and some tools and get the tools wherever you get the tools um, then you enroll people we enroll people all the time we enroll people to wake up from bed and go to school time. <laughs> we enroll people to eat our simple dinner and say it's amazing and And be grateful we enroll uh, people to join our company we enroll investors people connect to authentic responsibly passionate people and we also know enrollment can be used to bad things we see it all over for sure but um, for me what I you know talk and mentor and enjoy seeing is people grow into their enrollment for what matters to them in life and uh, most people I meet it's always a great thing list of amazing things yeah you know I'm just like this popped into my head while you were speaking enrollment is not only 
from top down. It's not only as a parent, even though as a parent to a 14-year-old, I definitely need to enroll my son to wake up in the morning. It could be also enrolling our manager to believe in us, to give us an opportunity. You're so right. Yeah. So I'm wondering what tools uh, would you recommend or, or courses or, or programs for people in any stage in their lives that want to explore and look more into, into those pillars of leadership? So, so there are many, many groups and amazing coaches that do, you know, leadership training and or inside out work. I, I wouldn't know who's the best for every each and every one of you, but I would take the opportunity to talk uh, and, and mention synergy because for me that made a difference for, you, you know, how to enroll in your so right to enroll. 360. We always uh, enroll 360 and get to things in our lives that we can control. It's a much bigger list than we think. And yet, of course, there's those things we'll never control and that will not change with any course. You know, life comes at us 100 miles an hour when we are sleeping, but uh, there's a lot of things we can control. So for me, it's a synergy education. Peter Griffiths is my mentor uh, in life for that. And uh, and I use it. You know, my family all went through this. My co-founders at uh, Innovesta all went through this uh, because I think uh, we create a language and we create, you know, tools to to help each other to be on our best version when it matters. Not all day and not every day, and don't take it as such because you there are days when I'm going to sit on the sofa and do nothing, and that's okay too. But when it's important and it's on your list of what matters to you, then those this ability to tweak it, uh, for me, it was a synergy education and, and Peter Griffiths. And, you know, you can all find them or, or look them yeah, up. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll put the link in the show notes. Yes. But again, there are many, um, you know, around the world, a lot of people who do it. It depends. For me, a logical, pragmatic approach worked. A linguistic approach to work, and that's me. But there are pe- people who like, you know, more spiritual approaches or uh, more, you know, meditation approaches. So everybody will find, but do something. Don't just wait for it to come to you and don't give up because you all, I'm sure, have it by the tons of it. I have so many follow up questions. So, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll start from this one. So you decided to look into leadership and you, uh, learned and started to deploy uh, listening, vulnerability, enrollment, and then you go back or you're still at the same time in the business and tech world, uh, which is a very masculine world, which like you just discovered at, the, <laughs> at that point, uh, which is a world that doesn't necessarily appreciate uh, being emotional, even if it's for a minute on stage, uh, that maybe the world, the words like vulnerability actually sound like a vulnerability to that world. How do you then bridge between all that and kind of implement yourself as you are with those values and those amazing resources and tools that you're now, you've now embraced into that world that appreciates more coldness and uh, other values sometimes yes so so, uh, obviously uh, I work with mostly uh, (laughs) (laughs) non-women because that's the world we're in and uh, if you want to 
I have a startup, so it's tech. It's in fintech, so it's financial services. And uh, between uh, Israel and uh, the East Coast, which are, you know, dominated by uh, guys. So it's not the vulnerability and the enrollment and my listening are in me. It doesn't need to be. But when I am that version of Yali and vulnerable is not emotional necessarily. Vulnerable is, uh, you know, honest and authentic. It comes out powerfully when I'm sitting in a meeting. It's not like, oh my God, you have to know, I have no idea what to do, because that's not the case. I am, I know exactly what to do, and I'll tell you in the same sentence, and I do it, and I'm not sure that will be the end result, because in the way, I'll listen enough, and I'll ask myself enough, is that the right thing, which a lot of guys do less, okay? So I, uh, I um, you know... Yali comes into the room with those characteristics, um, but uh, it empowers me to be very, very, and again, you know, I'm humble, so <laughs> debating the wor- words here, but to be very powerful in meetings and enrolling people to my side, and it, whether it's a sales or a project or investment or an impact or whatever that is, but it's how we are and people sense it, and maybe they can't point the finger on you know, that's what she said, and that's not what she said, and uh, but there's something there. There was a research from Harvard, I think, that showed that funds, uh, investors, ask very different questions to guys and to girls, okay, when they come to pitch. For men, it's like, so what's your vision? What's your big picture? And for women, what will happen if it's not successful? What, how would you deal with uh, conflicts or time challenges? You know, all those questions they have in their head, which are legitimate because that's how they grew up. It's, a di- it's not, uh, you know, they're not educated not to think this way. So I'm not even trying to change them. But um, when you come powerfully to those meetings and you talk about your vision, if you've, even if you weren't asked about it, and you talk about, you know, and I say sometimes when I was younger, I, a bit younger, I would say, you know, don't worry about my kids now. I love them. They come first. Now let's talk about my business. For me, that's, <laughs> you know, that, that's a, it's, tr- it's my truth. <laughs> they will always come first. And if you don't like it, don't be my investor. Mm-hmm. But I'm here. And so, you know, it's on us, regretfully, you know it better than I do, to change the landscape step by step. And uh, in my, you know, next dream um, or dreams would be that there are enough platforms that are led by women to invest in women, but not by women who invest like men, by women who will invest with understanding of what we can do and what we can't do. And just, you know, um, so on one hand, let's change the world step by step. And on the other, you know, have platforms that allow for that. And the other thing, and you know, again, uh, when your birthday starts with a five, you uh, there's um, that understanding that people will see me, they'll get it, they'll get the amazing parts, and they'll get how I lead. And if they really, really don't like it, that's not the place for me. Even though it looks shiny from the you know from the door sign. And uh, and that took time to be able to say no. That is that is really powerful because you're taking it from feeling like a sacrifice or feeling bad for yourself to saying, okay, that's just not a good fit. It's not about 
it's not a good or bad. It's not a weakness or a power. It's just, it's just not a good fit. We can move on. And especially when we are now, you know, pandemic, that's not an easy thing to say if you don't have a job and someone gives you a job and you know it's not a good fit, but you need to work. So I, I always put reality onto, you know, when, I, when we speak or when I speak, because uh, I, I'm totally aware of it. So then I would say, you know, anybody needs that job, go do it. But be aware that it's not a good fit and you're doing your best. And first of all, you might be surprised because you maybe you're wrong and maybe things will change, but uh, go and do it. So, so that, that's, you know, we don't always have the, the luxury to, to sit back and say maybe uh, this one or this one or, or choose, but uh, be aware of, uh, of the gaps. And then it's also going to be amazing. That, that's very hopeful. Um, I'm wondering, what, one of the things that I always think about when I think about you is partnership. So specifically within Avesta, as you said, you co-founded it with uh, Hannah Rado and with Karen Kay. And first of all, you are an international startup. So part of you are in Israel and part of you are in New York. I'm not saying like it's in order to make it seem, you know, very big, but in order to, like, it's not... It's, you can't take it for granted when people really uh, collaborate across locations and time zones and diff- different needs, different uh, circumstances. You are three women, of course. And the way that you speak about each other has always inspired me so much. So I'm wondering, I would love to just get a peek into your brain or into your heart and hear a little bit about how you think uh, about partnership. Partnership are the most important thing in everything you do in life. Okay, so I can't estimate it more. I'll go for once. I, I'm divorced, but we are partners as parents. So it's, you know, the, it doesn't all have to be this, the checklist we're used to, but it, it's partnerships. And uh, in the business, uh, Hannah and I started thinking about it. She introduced me to Karen very quickly. He said, Karen is an equal partner. And, you know, we just, that, that word meant a lot by the structure as well. So not just by nice words. Hannah is uh, has you know her tens of businesses, uh, impact mm-hmm. amazing businesses, and uh, she's not active day to day in Innovesta. But Karen and I are definitely very un- we have a unique partnership, and um, we, you know with the risk of sounding repetitive, it's a very it's huge openness. It's the ability to wake up, uh, you know, last week and say, I don't know what to do today. And I am so mixed up about all those uh, calls we have and, uh, you know, and not to be afraid that, oh, my God, is Yali not on top of it? And uh, and that ability to know, it's like, I, I, you know, when I describe Karen and maybe you've heard it, like she, she has my back. She and Hannah have my back. And they're they're holding my spine and everything around it. Literally, that's the visual mm-hmm. I always have, and I hope I do the same for them. And when you explore partnerships, and partnerships can be you and your boss, as as you said, man, a very important point. It's not just peers, and it's not up and down, and it just again, what are you co-committed to creating, and how do you go about it, and and get permission. Very important. Get permission to to tell your partner, snap out of it. That, that is so important. Get permission to do it before you become partners. 
and say, you know, I can be, sorry for the word, bitchy. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, and someone else can be miserable. And everybody has their own way of being in a bad day, you know. Say, okay, we are going to have that type of relationship. Will that work? And don't think you heard yes. Listen if you heard yes. Because a lot of people will say at the beginning of the partnership, yay, of course. No. That's how it looks, and it looks ugly when it happens, but it will be from the right place and for a minute. So, you know, so have those conversations. And um, and what Karen and Hannah taught me, which is, um, you know, an amazing and horrible lesson, is that I will never do something alone because I have the experience of how they are, and, you know, I don't even know that I can find other partners like them. But, um, <laughs> yes. that That's beautiful, though. It's a real privilege, and, and it feels like it's, It's a privilege that was born from a lot of hard work and a lot of honesty. Yes. It's beautiful. Okay. I want to switch gears a little bit and go back into something that you actually mentioned at the top of our conversation, and that was burnout, being a workaholic, which is something that I can definitely, definitely relate to, unfortunately. I think especially as an entrepreneur, the, the culture of hustle is so glamorized. And there's a tweet that I read uh, a few weeks ago, uh, which somehow became one of my <laughs> recurring questions uh, on this podcast because it's just so good. Uh, it was tweeted by someone called Katie Leeson. So Katie, I don't know you, but thank you for this. Uh, and what Katie said is this. She said, We need to stop glamorizing overworking, please. The absence of sleep, good diet, exercise, relaxation, and time with friends and family isn't something to be applauded. Too many people wear their burnout as a badge of honor, and it needs to change. And this, this, this sentence right there, too many people wear their burnout as a badge of honor, is definitely me in many, many uh, points in my life. So first of all, I'm... I'm wondering if you can relate, but also what are your thoughts about this and how do you get things done if you're not burning yourself <laughs> to the ground? In some of your questions, Chedva, I felt I have really, really great answers what to do. And this one I'll relate. I'm not sure I have an amazing uh, <laughs> recommendation. I, I definitely define myself as a workaholic. I think it's an awarded addiction. Because you're successful, you work hard, mommy's tired, whatever you get it from, you know, a bonus, a title. Um, and it's a clearer world because it's, you know, there's stuff to do. When in other parts of my, our lives, there's stuff to figure out. So sometimes, you know, for me, I ran away to work. And um, so, so uh, I totally relate. And um, it took its toll. On many many areas of my life um, and uh, that's for a one-on-one -on -one, <laughs> not a podcast mm -hmm. and I still fall there I still have weeks or months thank god not years that I'm in the you know going on and on and on and on and I got myself to have some practices and again not perfect and not always it's working but people around me who'll tell me Yali there you go again Um, I count the amount of meals I cook. I hate cooking, <laughs> but I do it. Not because I need to, but because it's time where I do something for someone else and it's not my work. So, um, you know, I, uh, I do gratitude lists. 
before I close my eyes, and even if it's a short 10 seconds, or in the morning, and it's my way of, you know, praying, if you want. And that grounds me and reminds me everything else, even if my company, current uh, company would be top of the list, because, you know, that's me, that's the addiction, <laughs> then there'll be so many other amazing things under it. And that by itself gets me to remember that I am, I'm Yali and I have this work that's important to me, but it's not the work. I'm not my work. But again, that's a daily journey. That's not even, um, you know, that's the that, big that one is for me. so important. I am not my work is something that I've definitely struggled with. And I know many of us workaholics and many of us specifically entrepreneurs build stuff and then say okay that's that's me that's my value even if it's not me that's that's the best part of me it is so hard I'll tell you one more thing that I just came to mind um, that I do and I didn't do for a while but now thank you for asking because now I'll go back is I'm I I list I have tons of lists what I have to do a day a week a month notes whatever tools you know you use um, I also make a list that the things I will not make that will be not successful for that week or that day. And not because I planned them not to be, but they're going to be there and it's okay. And that gets me also to be like, you know, it's okay not to, you know, not to just run because we run for the success. We run to complete. We're all educated to finish missions, whatever they are in a day. And, and I say to women, I mentor, you know, what's the goal for the week and what's the goal you're going to miss? And to, to, to love that, to be successful at not making everything perfect on time. I really love this because then you also kind of make the choice that brings you back to power. Okay, this is one thing that I'm going to just have to give up. And that's okay. It's beautiful. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's not easy, but it's beautiful. Right. So what are the things that you want to give up? Things that are not work, that are important to you in your life or in your career? I won't give up on, I mean, it sounds very natural and it is my kids. I mean, anything they need mm -hmm. or want from me, everything else goes away. And uh, I've been in board meetings where I had to step out and I've been in a 12th hour of a company, an M&A that I, I needed to step out and I did. And it's not easy, but for me, that's, uh, you know, hundred uh, percent how it's going to be. And uh, expanding on that, my family. So not every small thing, but yes. And, um, and connections with, you know, with the amazing, not 5 million people, but small group of uh, friends that I have. So I, I don't give up on that. I, even in the pandemic, there's, um, you know, it will come instead of an hour of work and it will be okay. Uh, I wish I could say the same about sports. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> or or uh, my you know physical well-being in terms of um, you know exercising and walking and I know the checklist and then as the age progresses it gets longer but um, that's not um, that's not that and um, I don't give up on uh, again knowing and reading and educating myself on places that need social impact and I make it a point I I read, I go, I learn once a week. I need to know that I'm not allowing myself to disconnect. That's amazing. One more question. What's exciting to you these days, whether it's in an Avesta or outside, anything that's really 
kind of uh, exciting to you or do you want, that you want our listeners to know about? So Innovesta keeps exciting me. And that's, uh, we're now, um, we ended a crowdfunding round and we're replanning and re-strategizing for 2021. So that's always a creative moment and we do it with some of our advisors. So that's, that excites me and I find myself, you know, drawing and thinking. And so that's the business creativity, if you'd like. A lot of things don't excite me around what's happening in the world. I'm really worried. I'm not just venting uh, as a as as a person that is you know has two kids who's going to continue and live in this world and hopefully they'll have kids and what the hell is going on? So um, that um, uh, the powerlessness, the the awareness of the powerlessness doesn't excite me. And I know I'm not answering your question, but it's in, in a way. So now there's a bigger question for all of us or for me, and that excites me. What's my role in this? What's my role in the fact that we're so powerless over a virus, politicians? It doesn't matter what side we are, but definitely they do what they want. <laughs> you know, if you like them or not, it doesn't matter. The, the, the idea of leadership and politics around the world has changed and, um, and life is changing. And, you know, what's, what's my mini, mini legacy around that? So, um, it took a few months, but I'm reinventing that conversation with myself and really excited about it. And it also picks me up from the lousy days sometimes. That we, someone we know got sick and someone when we can't get out and all of those things. And just like, um, what's uh, what's what's my part in it? And uh, it's exciting. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at uh, academia for that, maybe. <laughs> Hint. I'm looking at, uh, you know, organizations that might be uh, agreeing to have the big question really really not just what we need today but like how do we live in such a world and what do we what does all the words of uh, giving and connecting and uh, what, what do they mean and uh, how do we tackle it it's an exploration and those always excite me and i think it's such a powerful note to end this conversation about impact and leadership and business and And at the end of the, and purpose and at the end of the day maybe every one of us can ask ourselves in a big way or in a small way tonight before we go to sleep what's what's my role inside all of this and be grateful because we get and I want to say it uh, to myself and to everyone we get to ask those questions that's an amazing gift everybody who listened you had the hour to listen and to be interested so first of all thank you but also like we are the lucky ones. And I'm very, very grateful for that every day. So true. Yali, I'm so grateful for you and for your friendship and for being here with us today. I really appreciate this. Where can our listeners find you online if they want to get a little bit more of you? So obviously, uh, Facebook. It's my generation is still in Facebook. <laughs> Yali Harari. <laughs> And LinkedIn, Yali Harari, and through you and always. And uh, you are the most um, amazing young woman I met in the last decade. I, I told you that before. It's my pleasure to be here. And uh, let's just uh, continue and do good. Amen. Thank you so much, Yali. Thank you for listening to Looks Like Work. You can find resources, links, and of course the episode's show notes at roomsandwords.com. That's rooms, like a room, and words, and like an end, 
gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, I really, really hope that you like my newsletter too. My newsletter is something that I send out every week and I share thoughts, links, books, and just other things that I find thought-provoking, interesting, somehow contributing to these conversations that we're having here, or sometimes just joyously distracting. Again, the newsletter is sent out every week, and you can find the link to sign up on my website at roomsandwords.com. And I really hope to see you there, and of course, to see you here next week. Have a good one.